Hi, Glenn Brogan with Pioneer 90.1 Radio, and we're going to take a little time out of the music and fun to uh, talk about this uh, new book that came out about the life of Eddie Money. It's a really fun read. As soon as I got a copy of it, I read it. I had it done in a day. I just couldn't stop reading it. I- I'm a fan of Eddie Money, and of course, Eddie had so many hits. Uh, people know, and you can, you know, and, and people have seen him live. So just what a great showman he was. But anyway, this book, I got to tell you about it. It's called Hold On. The Story of our friend Eddie Money. And it's a great read, and it really uh, kind of opens up to the many layers of who Eddie was as a person. And some of the projects, I mean, a lot of people probably thought Eddie was just a guy who was hitting the road and he had his reality show. He not only had those areas that he always kept busy with, even up to his death, he was involved with a musical about his life. Yes, Two Tickets to Paradise, the Eddie Money musical. I'm going to talk to somebody not only is co-author of this fantastic book, she has also had a part in the development and is even featured in this musical. Oh, it's so much fun to be able to talk Eddie Money. It's been a year and change since we lost Ed, but it's so nice to have you, Dresden Engel, onto the program to talk about your wonderful book. Thank you so much for sending me a copy. I really, truly enjoyed it. Uh, thank you so much. My favorite topic, Eddie Money. <laughs> I'm glad that you are a true fan as well. And you know what? Eddie didn't like the word fans. He called all his fans friends, and we dedicate the book to Eddie's fans because he really, he everybody who met him has a story about how Eddie stopped and talk to them, and they related. He was he was the everyman. He really was. Everybody could relate to Eddie. And the whole thing is, you know, a lot of people, like, when they talk about the blue-collar motif for rock and roll stars, they always look to, like, Bruce Springsteen or even Bob Seger to that degree. But you know what? I think Eddie should be right uh, head and shoulders, right line in line with those guys as far as the way his audience, the way he built his audience, and the way his audience stayed with him up until the end and still play his music after his passing. It's just Eddie was just so uh, very much uh, an outgoing, very, very, very uh, much one who gave time to the fans. But I think blue-collar rock, he should be right up there with with Bruce and, and Bob. Oh, and and you know, if you Google around, you will see that he did get a lot of props from from critics, um, and they did put him in that category. And he embraced it completely. He um, absolutely loved singing his hits. Uh, he was grateful. There's some people who don't want to sing their hits, you know, twenty, thirty years in. He loved the sing-alongs. He loved how people just hung on every word. And, you know, he was working on an album when he left us. So he was still making new music, but he never once said, oh, I'm so sick of singing that song. Except for the na 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 nas and Walk on Water. But that's a whole other story. Well, yeah, those, those, <laughs> those get a little long in the tooth after a while, I suppose, when he's like, oh, man, I just want to hit the chorus. I want to hit the verse, yeah, man. Na, yeah. na, 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 Oh, you're getting me na-nahing now. It's It's contagious. <laughs> It's contagious here, Dresden. And I want to talk a little bit about, you know, Eddie, because, you know, up until the end, Eddie, he was putting out new music. He was working on that new album. He had the first teaser single that came out, very well received. He had his reality show. We'll talk about that with his family. But you, I want to talk about where your story and Ed's come together is with this development of this musical that Eddie had in the back of his mind and even workshopped it a couple of times before uh, it fell into your hands of you and your co-author. Let's talk about, you know, hooking up, 
getting associated with Eddie, not only being a fan of his work, but to be able to get involved with the working process with him to help him put together two tickets to Paradise, the Eddie Money musical, because, you know, there's a lot of jukebox musicals, but this was one I, you know, I first read the news about. I, I didn't ex- see coming, but it makes so much sense now the way it's spread out and the way you told the d- story of the development of it in the book. Yeah. And, you know, he even said, this isn't a jukebox musical. I have other original songs in there, like a ballad that I would sing um, playing his mom. So, so I'll, I'll little back up. So Eddie's dream was to have a musical about his life. And come on, Eddie was a colorful character. Talk about great content for a musical. And his parents, you know, grew up in New York City. His parents would go to Broadway shows and they had the, you know, the Oklahomas and the carousel spinning on the, the family uh, record player. And he and his sisters would act out scenes from musicals. So, like, he loved the classical uh, Broadway show tunes right along with his, uh, his rock and roll. And so he, um, after he saw Jersey Boys, he was so inspired. So he literally started working on it in 2014, did a couple of workshops in his Long Island hometown as well. He uh, ended up graduating from high school, um, from Long Island High School. So he uh, straddles Queens, Brooklyn, and Long Island as far as being a hometown boy. <laughs> and uh, he had auditions to do it at Kodak Center in upstate New York in Rochester. And I got cast as his mom and from the years 68 to 82. So we oh, go wow. to work on the script, and some things were still moving, as happens with any original show. But there was a lot not in there yet. And Eddie, Eddie was like, really? You, you've written musicals before, Tristan? You'll work with me on this? So I had the incredible honor of working alongside Eddie to add more songs, like Take Me Home Tonight wasn't in the original, uh, to add a deeper love story for he and Lori, his wife of 30 years, to just flush it out and add more substance to tell his story. And uh, it culminated with his major overdose um, in 1982. So um, the reason, you know, why I feel, even though, you know, you could call it an unauthorized biography, if you will, because Eddie's not here, the fact that he trusted me in telling his life story on stage, um, I was entrusted to do the biography because Eddie, um, you know, we'd already written his life story together. Now, what was so the- I just think he's incredible, incredible honor. So what was it like for you, I mean, to be performing on stage and playing his mother and having, you know, him watching you perform and do your your thing and, and you know, just to see, I mean, this had to be something because, I mean, Eddie with family, man, it's it runs deep with him, man, his, lo- his, his love. I mean, there's so much to Eddie's family, man. Right. I mean, you see Eddie, you see Eddie with his five kids and his wife. I mean, just family, man, all day long. His mom was his world. He was the biggest mama boy. He called her mommy till the day she died. And when his kids came to see the show, it like, didn't click immediately that I played their grandmother. Like, they knew grandma. His brother, and they were, like, crying. Um, his brother, we, there's a lot. The show is based, like I said, 68 to 82. So I'm crying as Dottie Mahoney over Eddie's brother being MIA in Vietnam. That really happened. Thank God Danny came home, but he's sitting there in the front row watching me do this whole story about getting the missing in action letter. I mean, wow, like here I am just going, going through the motions and we have Eddie's brother and his kids experiencing this, you know, Lori seeing herself played out on stage. It was a pretty magical experience. Oh. Um, and as far as um, playing his mom, because he loved his mom so much, when I would sing this ballad he wrote, uh, I, I, um, 
world for you, where I would sing about I only want the world for you to a young Eddie Money, um, Eddie would stand in the wings and hold his heart and mouth the words along with me while I sang. I, can, can you imagine what that was like for me? Like I could I not. Really, I mean, could I not. That, oh, my God. You had to just been on a whole different planet. I mean, to be able oh, to see, God. you know, to have him give you that look of approval and to be so into what you're doing. That, that's, a, that, oh. that, that's a genuine feeling. It, it was genuine feeling, and it felt like an endorsement. And the fact that he had cast me to begin with to play his mom, uh, just, you know, the honors. And then my college friends are like, we remember you singing into a hairbrush, you know, uh, 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 and now you're on stage doing that with any money. Oh, my God. He did a mini concert at the end of the show. So he served in the role of narrator. He sang a few hits intermittently in between. And, and then he did a um, concert, at the, a mini concert at the end. So the, uh, the audience got, like, treats like you can't imagine. Oh, man, you know, that just sounded like such an amazing, amazing project. You know, Eddie's story, like you said, it's so colorful and so interesting. You know, it, it could have almost been a whole different thing altogether, though, because, and I'm so glad that, that uh, Eddie chose uh, to be this free spirit that he was, because Eddie's father and, of course, uh, his grandfather and brother, I mean, had uh, such a strong commitment to the police department that even Eddie tried his hand at, you know, joining the police department. How much, I mean, Jeez, could you imagine if he would have been just got in line? We, we, we would have missed so much out of this. But, you know, when you hear that story, when Ed told that story in an interview with me, Matt, you can just tell, like, this wasn't going to be for him. But, I mean, talk about no. breaking away and really breaking away, Eddie did, because he not only left the police department, he ended up going out west and trying his hand and eventually ending up in San Francisco under the auspices of Bill Graham of all freaking people. So it just had to tell me that something was just meant to be about this. Yeah, I mean, so, you know, he, obviously, I know the story because I got to work with him on telling the story and, you know, friendship, but he even said this to um, to Dick Clark in his first American Bandstand interview. He's like, you're a New Yorker. Why, you know, why'd you have to come out here? You know, you quit the police force. Why'd you have to come out here? And he's like, you don't know my father. So, you know, that does come out in the book of just how, how tough his dad was. He literally had to pick up and go to California in order to get away from having to follow in the family footsteps and be a cop. And also, you know, coming out to California, he ended up, I mean, he wasn't an overnight sensation. He paid his dues with various bands through the years. But getting out to California, he eventually found himself a, a different sort of father figure in Bill Graham, who a lot of people knew as a kind of a stickler for certain things. You know, he was he was a hard guy. I mean, he had a hard, hard life growing up. He being a child of the Holocaust and escaping, oh, yeah. the, you know, I mean, Oof. but I mean, finding, you know, these, these strong male presences, I mean, this is really something that, I mean, again, if, if it weren't for Bill Graham, I mean, where, where would it, Eddie could have been just playing these, these bars and, and sideshows? I mean, but Bill Graham's role in Eddie's life, not only helping him, you know, break away and being his manager and being sort of a mentor, that really uh, kind of must have filled some sort of void that his father couldn't fill all the way when it comes to it appreciating his art and vision. And, and he obviously, you know, often said that, that Bill Graham was was a father figure to him. And then we also explored in the show that, you know, Bill Graham kept him on the straight and narrow um, whenever he could. I mean, he um, literally would, you know, take the stuff out of Eddie's pocket and take the, you know, the weed out of his mouth and say, go out there and make me some money, now cut it out. I mean, like, so, you know, Eddie had that backstage scene we've seen in movies, right, where there was just drugs mm -hmm. everywhere. It was a different world. The temptations were 
huge for the rockers of that era. And Bill was not going to have it. He did not want his artists. He had already lost, you know, Janice. He had already lost people he was working with, and he did not want that to happen to Eddie. So Eddie, Eddie owes Bill, you know, he owed Bill everything. He loved him. And, you know, as Eddie's star exploded, and you bring it up in the book, as far as he played to lots of big audiences, but one of those audiences from a festival that I think really should get a little more coverage and love. And it was actually one of these fest, one of the days of the festivals that one of my cousins ended up meeting her future husband. So I'm talking about the Us Festival. And you want to talk about big festivals. Eddie was a part of that as well. I mean, talk about a major stage going from playing the clubs, you know, and then finding his way with two tickets to paradise and baby hold on to you know playing one of these huge festivals i mean when i think about the us festival i always get good memories and then seeing clips of him too it's, it's it was a fun th- amazing thing fun yeah four hundred fifty thousand people biggest um the biggest audience he ever played to it was the biggest names of of the era he would always say with the police because he always put them at a certain level of being you know really high up there rockers of the 80s um, and, and Eddie had the audience in the palm of his hand and, oh God, he loved to tell the story. And it was, it was 105 degrees and the audience was, they were so hot and it was, you know, baking in the sun for two days. And so one of the songs he was singing was give me, give me some water. So when he would sing, give me some water, he'd say, Bill, and they put hoses on the audience. And Eddie just beamed when he told that story. It was one of his favorite memories of his entire career. And then they kept spraying the audiences down for the rest of the weekend because the kids were frying in the sun. But, you know, you can see that on video clips of the US Festival. You can see Eddie saying, Bill, give him some water, while the audience saying, give me some water along with him. Just like magical stuff. You know, I just think that's such an underrated festival because everybody talks so much about Woodstocks and other things. I think the US Festival really should get more of more of its due for being what it was. I mean, it granted, I mean, it, it didn't, uh, you know, become this lengthy years on end sort of thing, but it was such a great moment in time that cap- time capsuled so many of the big acts at the top and of the highest of their yeah, powers. A, a documentary came out recently about it. And uh, the gentleman who um, started Apple, whose name is going out of my head, Steve Wozniak. Thank you. Um, he funded it. So, you know, it didn't have to worry about making a lot of money. Of course, it lost money, something of that magnitude. But, yeah, you're right. A moment in time that can never be repeated. Um, and, you know, not all the acts are in the documentary, especially ones that made Bill Graham mad. But that's a whole other story. Bill was known. Bill was known for being tough. And the funny thing is, Eddie used to get himself kicked out of Bill's club. <laughs> <laughs> you know, clubs plural before he ended up being managed by him. So then he's like, Oh no, he's going to recognize me as the guy who always tried to sneak in the back door and hang from the basketball nets. <laughs> oh, at the, at the winterland. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yes. We're talking with Dresden Angle, uh, co-author of Hold On, the story of our friend Eddie Money. And we want I want to get a little bit uh, you know, into the topic of family. You know, we talked about Ed's uh, father and, and his brother and his mother. I want to talk about the family that Eddie developed, you know, with his wife, Lori. I mean, I want to talk about just how much that was and how much of, of, of a glue that really held them all together. I mean, when you talk about Lori and the kids, but how much that really meant and really kind of brought uh, 
some sorts of changes. I mean, Eddie wasn't Eddie had his battles with substances through the years, but just how much the impact of family was on him having all of these kids. I mean, of course, on Real Money, he always uh, talked about, oh man, I got to stay on the road forever because of these kids. But you can just tell he had such genuine, I mean, just strong connections to each of those chi- those kids, and even including Lori's uh, from a you know from a previous marriage, you know, Lori's kid. I mean, treating him just an equal like the rest of the of the brothers and sister. It was just such wow. a wonderful thing to read about. And Ed, yeah, family really did change Eddie. It, it definitely did. And and Lori too. Lori grounded him the same way that I said Bill Graham grounded him. Uh, Lori did that for Eddie. She's very strict Southern girl. And, um, you know, pretty much was, you love me, you love these kids, you're going to, you know, straighten out. And and he, he did that because family meant everything to him. Uh, Lori was the love of his life, 30 years. And, um, you know, his little girl, Jess, you know, sharing a stage with her and her brother. He wanted all the kids to be in the band. And that wasn't always the case. It didn't always work out that way. But he at least had Des and Jess up there on stage with him. Every interview he did in the last five years of his life, all he ever did was share Des's website, desdezmoney.com. Like he wanted everyone to know about Des. He put everything he had into supporting his kid's musical career right along with him. Um, and family yeah family was his life and yeah the reality show there was a lot of jokes and stuff but that's what people loved eddie for with his one-liners and his jokes oh absolutely absolutely (laughs) kids rolling their eyes at their dad it was typical dad joke stuff but um but they all really love each other and when they came out to support him to see the show it was pretty magical because that was his dream so they got to see him you know he wanted that to be the thing that took him into the sunset was doing the musical and you know unfortunately tom wasn't on his side but at least he did get to see the full-blown full production staged on a 70-foot stage in a 2000 seat theater uh you know a full run so he did he did see the dream come true and he would thank those of us in the cast for helping make his dream come true let's think of how many dreams he made come true those dancers the, the, the gentleman who played young eddie money has gone on to have leads in national tours so Eddie made a lot of people's dreams come true, but he yet was thanking us for making his dream come true. Can you imagine? Oh man, you know. And I had a chance. I've had a couple of chances uh, to 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 chat with Eddie at the, here at the radio station, uh, just doing some inter- phone interviews. And one of my first phone interviews with Eddie was. Uh, he talked about his kids, and he, he talked about how he, he, he should have been, the, his family should have been the Osbournes before the Osbournes as far as reality TV, and to see like 10 or so years later, 10, 11 years later, to see real money on, I was like, yes, Eddie had this right on the whole damn time. Yes. It, I mean, people loved it. I mean, it would still, the show would still be going if we hadn't lost Eddie. People enjoyed it. The kids are colorful and dynamic. Uh, it's, it, was, it was definitely some good TV, and... Um, Heck, you know what a personal dream I have is, you know, maybe we do take the show back out uh, on the road that Eddie created and um, we have uh, have some of his kids star in it. Wouldn't that be cool? I think that, that would be excellent. Yeah. And Des played like one of the best friends. Um, it would just be pretty magical. So, you know, who knows? Who knows? Maybe we still will take... Um, continue Eddie's dream with the musical in the future. Well, do you, you recorded some of his narration, haven't you? I mean, you could maybe even throw him, yeah. he could still be in and have a presence upon know, the musical. Be, yeah. I mean, we could do that, right? We could have him on the screen still narrating his musical and yeah, 
We we had it all professionally shot, so yes, we do have that. So that would be pretty amazing. How heavy would that be? I mean, to have him yeah. still be have such a presence, uh, even you know, from the afterlife, still bringing his mm-hmm. energy to the thing. You know, before. Oh my God. Uh, yeah. You know, before we we go today, you know, I talked about on the, uh, you know, uh, before we got on the, and started recording the interview about I uh, I told you about my connection to Eddie Money. Well, my cousin's connection to Eddie Money. How uh, my cousin Avis was married to uh, one of the co-writers of I Want to Go Back, and I, I tell people about that up here, uh, who uh, you know I work with through the years, and they're just amazed by that. I'm like, well, yeah, you know, and I remember this I Want to Go Back song because Avis's husband Ira. Walker was in a group called Billy Satellite. When my uh, cousin came up, uh, they had just signed on with Capitol Records. They didn't, I think they were on for maybe an album, but uh, she came up and she had, I ended up getting a promotional copy and a poster of this Billy Satellite album in a band. And this was the first time I heard I Want to Go Back and it wasn't that long afterward. Fast forward, I heard this on the radio and Eddie Money is singing this damn song. And it's like, wow, that's that's cousin Avis's husband's song, but it was just, and right. through the years, and through the years, Eddie would play shows and my cousin, other cousins would go and, you know, cause Eddie was so personable with uh, meet and greets afterwards. He was very much uh, yeah. just an every, every man, just a cool guy, but he would always make time and my cousins would bring it up and he'd bring up my cousin's name and they would chat a little bit about her and all of that. And he just was just so warm and accommodating. But yeah, this, that's my little connection to it. Uh, uh, yeah. Having a relative who had a husband who, wrote one of again this was like uh, right in that pocket of take me home tonight i want to go back and endless nights i mean it was such a great run yeah 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 and you know it got to the point too where you know in between some you know addiction problems and so forth the producers would say hey eddie we're gonna have you sing you know some songs that some other people have written and i cover that in the book sometimes they were home home runs and sometimes they were headaches for him but uh you know um that one was definitely a home run and his uh amazing saxophone solo at the at the beginning he was so proud of his saxophone and whenever he could work that into songs so i want to go back as you know one of those songs where he actually went we went out on national tour he decided that he didn't want the young kids in the cast singing that one he wanted to sing that one himself so he loved it very much it was just such a song that you you thought that if you didn't see the credits at the back of the record, you probably would have thought that this was something he wrote from the because it just it was never it was one of those times that a song just so summed up a person and you could just see and when you watch and I'm seeing him in concert sing the song it just man you could just he really took ownership of that song I mean after that it became Eddie Money song yes the pacing you could feel it like I get the emotions I get when I hear that song. We all do, right? We all go back to high school, college. Uh, that song takes us all back. And mm-hmm. when he passed, everybody was posting that. I want to go back. I want to go back, but we'll always have any songs that will take us back. So, man, his fans are loyal. They love him so much. And, he, he, you know, he gave, he, he gave it all. He gave his all to his fans, and they gave it back to him in spades. And he felt it. He, his feelings would get hurt when there would be trolls on social media saying negative things. But he knew his fans always had his back, and he loved it. And I hope those fans who are listening today check out this book, Hold On, The Story of Our Friend, Eddie Money. Dresden Angle, thank you so much for sharing and, and talking about Oh, it's so good to meet a fellow Eddie Money fan and to be able to just oh, rap about Ed, man. Yeah, do you know, you know there's some, some diehards out there that call themselves Ed Heads. <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> so, like, yeah. So, you know, hey, maybe we're Ed Heads as well.
Hey. Uh, Glenn, thank you for everything. Absolutely. For Pioneer 90.1, I'm Glenn Brogan.